intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, Kathleen Kenmont. Kathleen, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Efren? I'm very good. I'm very good. In the state of Wisconsin, where beer and cheese are famous. How about you? How's everything in La La Land? <laughs> yeah, well, it's almost the same thing here in L.A., where beer and cheese are famous. <laughs> Maybe more like martinis. Ah, oh, martinis. Martinis and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Kathleen, tell the people, what have you been up to? What's been going on in your life as of late? Well, as of late, I've been, uh, well, I'm a mom, which is like the most amazing journey. Yes. And all the parents out there are going to be like high-fiving me on that. <laughs> and the people that aren't parents um, that are probably so happy for me anyway. Um, <laughs> I've been uh, writing and producing and directing and... I've been uh, going around the country and meeting a bunch of fans, doing some conventions and doing some acting here and there and stepping onto the other side of the camera more and really enjoying it. But uh, still always ready to pull out my sad card and step into a role when it's offered. And, you know, so I'm still in it. So I'm, I'm still a very active participant of Hollywood and, and the entertainment industry and you know, I think just at, at the core of me, I'm I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm from Irish descent, Scottish descent, and they're generally just these people that love to sit around and have a beer and talk around the fire and you know tell stories. And I've always been fascinated by storytelling and um, creative writing was a huge thing for me. So it's been. Uh, you know, really, you know, decades-long experience of uh, waiting for the phone to ring and then being the person that picks up the phone and starts gathering the people to do a project. And I, I wrote a really cool um, independent film called Mrs. Sweeney, and I wrote it with my brother, Matt, Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's been an actor and a writer for a long time, and... Uh, our brother Johnny, who's in the in the short, they're both in it actually. And my mom is a star; she plays the lead, Abby Dalton, mm-hmm. Mrs. Sweeney. Yeah. So um, my brother John uh, is now he's now the uh, studio operations uh, president over at Warner Brothers. So he's been in the business forever. But we got him an acting job, and he helped me produce it. So we've I've been doing a lot of family involved things that are. Are really cool. My brother Matt uh, worked with me on a pilot that I have called Fame Game that stars Christana Logan and uh, Kevin Farley and Adrian Wilkinson and Molly Monet and David Leisure and John Cassier. And it's all about the uh, entertainment industry. But, um, you know, Mrs. Sweeney is, is, is this really great kind of uh, dark um, Hansel and Gretel modern day, you know, that old bitchy lady that goes down the street, <laughs> you know, stay out of her yard, don't go into her yard and mess it up because she might just start picking off all your little friends. And uh, that has Caleb Thomas in it, who's been doing really great, and Zachary Haven, and uh, I'm kind of ping-ponging on both projects a little bit, so it's hard to focus. Um, but, you know, it, it's been a lot of, like, gathering people and putting people together and 
watching people's careers grow and you know, it's it's fun. Yeah, you know, you come no, I was gonna say you, your your family is so talented. You come from you know your mother is well known, and um, um, how like was she your biggest influence into getting into the entertainment business? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She was my first introduction to all of it, and the closest person to me. You know, um, just watching her do her thing and going with her to the set on Hollywood Squares when I was a kid, and she did this. It was a it was a special edition of Hollywood Squares. It was called Storybook Squares, where all of the celebrities would dress up like a storybook character. Oh, wow. And this is probably the reason why I was so in, my brother and I were so influenced to write this Mrs. Sweeney project for her, because uh, she, in the Storybook Squares, she played this witch that had this insane tackle. It was just like, I can see from you. Classic nostalgia. I was gonna say I see you talk about um, your mom a lot. I can tell she's like you know from everything you're saying, she's such a huge influence on you. Um, was it like did she like um, I, I, I don't want to say push you, but did she like kind of guided you into acting? And you know, I, it was um, kind of. I mean, at, by 15, I already knew that I had zero math skills because I'm dyslexic <laughs> with numbers and I really wanted to be a veterinarian and science was also pretty tough for me. I was having a really hard time memorizing the table, you know, just all the elements and everything. It didn't make sense. But in spelling, I'm incredible. Like I went to spelling bees and was just like, in language arts, it was, you know, a no-brainer. History, I had no problems. It was the learning of the, you know, numbers and letters that didn't spell out anything that were really tough for me. So as much as I could memorize, I knew I wasn't going to be a veterinarian. So, like, at 15, I was looking at my mom going, wow, this seems like it's a lot of fun. You get to go on tennis tournaments and 
<laughs> travel the world and people like you and <laughs> everyone's so excited to see you. You have an impact and you have this great smile that seems to just kind of work for you and get you places and, and it was fun to watch her work and when she started doing Falcon Crest I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> I really got a taste of it then because I can just fly with her to Napa Valley and be on the set and of course that's where I met Lorenzo and you know, it definitely had an impact on me. By the time I was 17, I knew exactly what I was going to do. And I'd already met enough people and been around it all my life that it wasn't it wasn't tough to get an agent or anything. I just went to my mom's agent. And they were like, oh, yeah, definitely. You're 17 and you've got a rack. Let's go. <laughs> so, like, at 15, I started taking this acting class. I would ride my bike to this acting class, James Best Theater in Toluca Lake, and it was primarily adults. It was me and my buddy Jackie Ganell, and she was the only other, you know, underager. I think she was 16, and I was 15, and or 17 and 16, somewhere around there. We were underage, I know that. And uh, there was this guy at the back of it, class and I was like oh my god Jack please don't make me do a scene with him he's so I don't know I think he's in his car or something and whatever he was cool he was writing all this stuff down in the back and writing up all these scenes that he wanted everybody to do and everyone was like okay okay Quentin whatever <laughs> and of course it's Quentin Tarantino oh. so like I was in class with Quentin Tarantino and I was always like oh I don't want him don't put me in another kissing scene with him, please. <laughs> you know, I should have been so much nicer to that guy. <laughs> I saw him and told him that. I said, hey, you know what? I'm writing a book. He's like, really? He goes, what's that? You know, titled, I should have been nicer to Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> and other short stories of epic fails. Oh, man. I'm sure he's so, like, damn, she could have been mine. Ah. Oh. <laughs> uh, so could be. I mean, I'm out. I'm out there. I'm not single, but <laughs> oh, you 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 can always hire me. That's for sure. You have um, what is that called? Um, FWB, friends with benefits, as they say. You know what? No, I have a boyfriend. Huh? I actually have a boyfriend. I'm in a relationship, and it's nice. I like it a lot. Uh. And he's a really good guy. And uh, yeah, he's in the military. He's a badass. Ah, okay, okay. That's good. That's good. I'm going. <laughs> No, it's good to put out there to everybody. <laughs> like, let me just clarify that. I do have a boyfriend. <laughs> he's a sharpshooter. Ah. <laughs> yeah, um, he's got my back. He's um, a great guy. Um, I want to go back a little no, bit. I'm um, give a shout out to Dusty, Dusty, the baby. Dusty, Dusty, <laughs> thank you for protecting our country. Yeah, thank you for all your service, baby. Yes. Um, I want to go back. I mean, with all of it. And I mean all of it. <laughs> As I want to go back, um, how did you meet Lorenzo? I met him. He was playing my mother's son on Falcon Crest. Falcon Crest, and it was just—I'm saying—but was it like instant chemistry there, or it took a while? You know. Uh, you know what? I think it was probably—you know what? It was really funny. The first time I actually met him, yeah. he was already married, so no, there was not instant chemistry. Ah. Because okay. he was doing an. Uh, at the Mike Douglas show. Oh my God, I just dated myself by like 40 <laughs> years. Um, and Mike Douglas show, kids, was this variety afternoon show like Ellen. 
Yeah. It was Mike Douglas, but it was more variety. Well, I mean, I guess it was the same thing. Yeah. It was the same thing as Ellen, but Mike, it was Mike Douglas. And Lorenzo uh, was on, and my mom was on, and I will never forget this because Lorenzo told the most heinous surfing story of all time. Mike was like fascinated. I think Mike was a little bit <laughs> liking Lorenzo a whole lot. And he was just like, so do you like to surf? Lorenzo's like, yeah, I like to surf. He's like, really, what's that like? <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, it's fun. You know, I was surfing the other day, and I saw this really hot babe, and I, like, caught this huge wave, and I nailed it. And then I kind of came back, surfing, you know, paddling back over to her, and she was, like, looking at me, like, because I just kind of got tumbled a little bit, like, hey, you need to fix your hair. I thought that, that that's what you were saying, and she's like, you know, more like pointing towards my nose. And he's like, and then I wiped my nose and there was like a long, really, really long, horrible snot across my hand. Oh. Because he was trying to pick her up on the board. And I'm just like, I just remember him telling this story. I'm like, that was going. <laughs> that was so gross. Are you kidding? <laughs> and I instantly knew I liked him from that moment on. That I was like, wow, you're brave. You're <laughs> you have no shame, dude. Yeah, yeah, I love surfing. Let me tell you about when I was like trying to impress this chick on my board. <laughs> I mean, he turned everyone off in that moment. Mike Douglas was like, oh, my fantasy is ruined. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So crazy. Uh, um, um, how would you describe yourself in like attitude and personality? Like, how would you describe yourself? Uh, I'm just like a super bummer, and um, yeah, I really don't have any friends. But it's nice that you call me a friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting around all lonely. Um, you know what, buddy? I have. You know what? Best way to describe me is number one. I'm a crazy super Dodger fan. Number one. Oh crazy. no! Okay. Like, like, yeah, like, like, pick your favorite, favorite team of all time that you just rooted for your whole life. That's oh. me. Like for the Dodgers, because I'm LA, and I get to have these sick, wonderful experiences at Dodger Stadium, and you know we've got to have the same guy commentating for you know way more than all my life. And I mean way more. I <laughs> was <laughs> 67 years in school. I just retired this last week. You know, I love fun. I love, um, you know, baseball is like the great American pastime. Mm. I just, you know, it's a normal, normal, happy, positive person that loves my family more than anything and loves my friends and I love my little dog and you know, I'm just really grateful, and I pray for the world all the time. I'm very aware of what's going on, and I'm a yogi. I'm a, I'm a mom. I'm, you know, I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a auntie. I'm a cousin. I'm a, you know, I'm a lot of things. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I just, I just really, I just, I think the one. Real secret, and this is what the secret, that book, The Secret, what, what is the secret of life? You just, you stay positive, mm -hmm. and you find the good in people, and you focus on that, and I don't take pot shots, I don't, I don't find enjoyment in 
mean, negative, uh, humiliating humor that takes people out. Uh, I've been very, very blessed in my life, super lucky. I work really hard at what I've got and how to keep it. I take care of myself and I appreciate those around me. You know, find the, the peace and silence and I find the joy in socializing and just, you know, find the balance in life. Mm-hmm. I, until a couple of days ago, to my little tide race, I broke this awesome thing that very LA. Um, but it's great. It says Lokai. You can look it up. L O K A I. And I'm going to go get another one. But mine just broke. Yeah. And what it, what it has in it, Lokai Bracelet, you can get it at Barnes and Noble or, or look it up on Amazon. It has the water from Mount Everest and it has some mud from the Dead Sea, which are the highest and lowest points on the planet. Yeah. <clears throat> so the thought is this. When you're at your highest, stay humble. And when you're at your lowest, stay hopeful. Mm. And somewhere in the middle is you. Yeah. In between. And, I mean, just, I, I just really seek balance and just the good things in life. I don't really, I, I do my best to try and keep too much news out of my system, we get infiltrated these days because the sources are so extreme for information. Mm-hmm. You know, not just on the world at large, but our own microcosm of friends on Facebook and yeah. the internet and, the, you know, following people that we don't know and just yeah. trying to stay up on TV and movies and pop culture. and It's tremendous amount of information beyond. Like, even Sting was singing about it 20 years ago. Too much information <laughs> to my brain, right? Yep. It's an old song. That was before cell phones. <laughs> he must just be, like, staring at a wall right now. <laughs> yep. You know he is, because he's a total yogi. We have to. We have to shut it down. I think that I realize now more than ever how valuable the silence is. Like, before you call me and you're putting your beautiful little girl to bed, you know, it's like, focus on that. Focus on the shutting down and allowing everyone to shut down. The shutdown mode is very, very important because the streams of consciousness now are intense. And when you go and show up to whatever it is that is your passion, you want to be completely, totally present. Mm-hmm. You know, my man who works in the military, he's not playing, uh, you know, Minecraft at work. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, he is, but it's the right guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to, you want to be present for when you're with people. Like, right now, I'm not texting. Let me tell you that. I'm not on Facebook either. Mm-hmm. I've got the debate going on, but the sound is off. And I could just be taking pictures of each other. <laughs> they repeating each other for a really long time anyway. So, <laughs> but, you know, it's just it's just good to just, like, when you're driving, focus on the road. Mm-hmm. When you're at work, focus at work. That's mm. what I do. When I'm writing, I'm focusing on what I'm writing. Yeah. I want it to be great. 
I want everything I do right now to be so meaningful. I mean, I've got a really great comedy web series, too. It's called VideoBreakups.com, and that's a lot of fun. I've been taking a lot of chances, risks, with, you know, with other people's money. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a lot of the stuff I've been doing has been so, uh, you know, um, personally funded and and you know, and it doesn't really even cost that much. I've got the equipment. Like I put a yoga DVD out there with me and my parents called Kathleen Kinmont's Restorative Core Yoga. Yeah. And you can get it on my website, kinmontsphoto.com. I've been a photographer for a very long time as well. Yeah. And I've done some DP work. I worked with Elizabeth Grayson on her two films, The Between and Perfection of Anna. Yeah. And then I directed and wrote Mrs. Sweeney and Fame Game and Video Breakups and BFF Entertainment and uh, you know I've got some reality show ideas that I've got several reels for and I've got several several scripts and just really you know going for it on on the other side and and the kind of um, self motivation that that actually really takes. It's a, and I run my parents' business as well, so they're getting up there in years and kind of seeing that transition. So that's been that's been intense as well. I've, I've got a, a huge appreciation for all the things that I've done, all the conventions that I've gone to, all the fans that I've met. It's been really, really fun going to conventions and meeting people. And then, you know, horror fans are like, they're... They're not like any other fans. Yeah, that's that's so true. That's so true because I believe like you've been to a few um, Halloween conventions, correct? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, even though you know your 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 role did not survive, your role was pretty memorable for a lot of you know young teenage guys, and you know, like you you talking about your rack, you know, a lot of guys probably remember that scene and just remember you in that movie, and you know, you're like an icon in that movie, you know, because of the Halloween franchise. Um, um, do you and you know you also did like the Reanimator. Um, how do you feel about like horror? You know, you like horror films. You what do you think about sure. it today? Well, yeah. Personally, I don't really seek out horror films because I'm very sensitive and they keep me up at night and I, <laughs> my sleep is so vital to me. Yeah. Um, and I don't like being, I really don't like being scared. I yeah. really don't enjoy it. It's not something I seek out. My daughter doesn't like it either. And uh, she was born in October. I mean, her birthday's on Friday. And she, she, doesn't, oh, wow. she doesn't like Halloween. Wow. You know, it's like classic. I, I totally got the unicorn um, pooping uh, Skittles for a kid, you know. I mean, yeah. if it doesn't have a rainbow or a Barbie in it, she's like so not interested. Wow. <laughs> uh, I mean, she's kind of growing out of the Barbie thing, and but she does not enjoy the ghoulish stuff at all. And personally, I've never sought that out either. Um, I think Exorcist really messed me up. For a very long time, when I was her age, yeah. Um, my our parents, we went to Colorado on a trip, and we were staying in a hotel that had a uh, drive-in movie theater across the parking lot, and we could totally see the screen. Our parents said to me and my brothers, um, "Well, we're going to go out to dinner, but you know, when it gets dark, just stay away from the window because there's a movie next door that we really don't want you to see." And it was close. I mean, that movie, that screen was really close, and it was huge. You know, it was a drive-in movie theater. I mean, it was, like, right outside our window. I couldn't hear it, but I could see it. And, man, did it mess me up. I was sleeping on my parents' floor for, like, a year. Oh, my God. And <laughs> I know. So it's, like, that's wow. just crazy that I would get 
you know, these horror films. And, I mean, as, as somebody who's really sensitive to that, you know, to want to, like, you know, so what? I'm an artist. I'm an actor. I'm, I don't, I'm not going to go murder someone to play a murderer. It's all fake. I know what it is. These are long days. I know how it's done. You know, the, the drama gets saturated from it because you're on the set for so long. But there are definitely scary moments and you have to go there emotionally that take you to like a ramped up heart rate or whatever it is, you know, to make it real. And you're definitely feeling it. So um, I've only seen those movies a couple of times. I haven't seen them a lot. Mm-hmm. Not like the fans have. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but you know what? I really understand what the concept is of facing your fears. Like for me, for me, I've faced my fears in so many other ways. Like I've faced my fears by getting nude on film. You know, I've faced my fears by being an actor. Mm-hmm. I've faced my fears by writing something and putting it up there for the masses to have a, you know, an opinion about it. Yeah. And not just, in, not just strangers, but my family and my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, once you put yourself in that position to be criticized, you're going to constantly be in that position to be criticized. So that is, that has, that's how I have faced my fears. I haven't had to go, you know, go see Saw or Insidious or, you know, um, and even right now, I can't find, there's a friend of mine brought over a Poltergeist uh, poster for me to ask if another actor for me to have him sign, and I can't find that thing in my house, and I'm freaking out. <laughs> like, I put it in a spot in my house, this is a really old house, the 1920s house, before I moved in, it was like, they were using it, it was being rented out for um, the convalescent home, because it yeah. had a lot of very small rooms in it. Yeah. So it's like one of those houses that and had wheelchair ramps and everything. So I know people have passed here. And it's never really bothered me until now. <laughs> I can't buy this poltergeist poster. I'm freaking <laughs> out. I'm like, everywhere. They're here. They're <laughs> you know? great. Great. It's it's so funny that it's so funny that you say that that you know you're afraid of horror you know yet you've done like horror movies but you talking about conquering your fear and just doing something that's out of your comfort zone from nudity and you know marriage and you know all walks of life you know like is about taking chances correct? Oh my God, you're so right with the mentioning of marriage. So true because I've walked out the aisle three times now in my life. Yeah, you know and. and- yeah, you know, not 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 many people do that. Um, um, speaking of marriage, like you know, what what do you think is the key to a successful marriage? You've been married three times. What do you think is the key, or if there is a key to a successful marriage? Definitely separate housing. Separate. Oh God. <laughs> separate housing for real. <laughs> for real. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like. Maybe zip codes different. Wow. You know, I I think that um, the key to a successful marriage is to people that really respect each other and have the same core values. Yeah. You know, you can be from totally different sides of the country. You can be raised in different cultures. You can have so much difference, like the way you eat, the way you dress, the way you talk. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I think if you have the same core values, you have 
most in common that you can possibly have. You know, we, my friends are like on these dating websites and I'm, I was on one for a week and I was like, oh, I can't, I just, it's just not for me. And I'm not putting anybody down that does it. I think it's great if that's what has helped you find somebody or keep, keeps you out there and keeps you active in life. I think that's great. Um, but. She, I said, you know, it's like you got to, the, the thing is about those things is that you got to at least give somebody a chance. And I think that the feeling of disposableness is so rampant that like, you know, eh, swipe left, swipe right, you know, not tall enough, not do 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 you know, doesn't make enough money, you know, sounds dumb, you know, just, it's like shopping for eyeshadow. <laughs> you know, when you know you're going to like blend one thing and try and make it the perfect shade instead of just finding like one good foundation yeah um is, is, one, is you know you don't change your foundation color yeah. so um is so sec- what's the foundation of you i mean yeah i mean i just think that the, the truth to good marriage is like a really good foundation of core values like do you know whatever they are do you love your parents <laughs> you know start with that do you love your kids? Do you, what is your relationship like with the people that are your exes? Yeah. Do you have a ton of enemies. You know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, those kind of things that I would I would steer clear from. So yeah. well, anyway, um, is is like sex a big deal in in a marriage, or or is it more like communication? Is sex? Well, I think it's all a big deal. All of it. Yeah. I think that that uh, you know, and and stuff. If the communication isn't there, then the sex isn't there. If the, if you know, if the sex is only there and the communication isn't there, then you got a problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, it. Everything has to be at a at a balance so that you like the person you're with. You want to please the person you're with. You want to impress the person you're with because they're already impressed with you, and you want to keep that going. You know, you don't want to be with somebody who thinks you suck. Yeah. You know, you want to be with somebody who thinks you're amazing. Mm-hmm. And you want to keep that status quo going. And you want to, like, go, yeah, I am amazing. And look at what I'm going to do that's amazing for you today. And, like, how can we please each other? But, it, you know, when people start feeling like, oh, I'm just so taken for granted and nobody's caring about things that I'm doing, then I'm not being emotionally fed. So I think that the, that praise is really huge. I think that when you give compliments to somebody, it encourages them. You know, it's, it, it's, you know how to raise a smart kid. Don't tell them they're smart. Focus on their effort. Mm-hmm. Tell them how much you appreciate that they're working so hard to do, to do their best. And that's the thing that should be really praised. And then, you know, more often than not, when kids feels praised, they're going to do better and they're going to do well. You know, so it's the same with adults, I yeah. think. I don't I don't know if we give each other enough compliments. Yeah. And just random ones, like, hey, man, I like your shirt. That looks really good on you. Yeah. Yeah. It's so simple, so gentle. I, I write for the Huffington Post as well. I blog. In fact, I blogged today. Oh, yeah. The thing on me catching a Dodger foul ball that is pretty phenomenal. I wow. encourage everyone to check this out because for a super Dodger freak that I am, I mean, that this happened and with Vince Scully commentating over it, it's like a dream come true. 
And here's the thing. You just never give up. I mean, I thought that I would, you know, whatever. I left my glove in the car, and, and these seats are real scary seats, and you should be careful. And, you know, anyway, I caught this ball. And it's it's just a great moment, and it, I couldn't go without, you know, acknowledging it in a story and just kind of going through my life. But I think that it's just really... And, and the whole point is that I, I wrote this one thing for the Huffington Post called um, 13 Positive Ways to Stay on Track or something. I don't know, to stay happy or whatever. That's <laughs> 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 so funny. 13 Positive Things to Do to, to Keep Yourself, you know, whatever, on, on, on the right track. And one of them is to give compliments. And I think that's really important in a relationship and in a marriage because, you know, you're in the day in and day out stuff, same day, different, you know, different, different outfit, you know, different day, same outfit. So you have this kind of, like it loses the, ah, the honeymoon phase when, before you saw all my outfits. (laughs) (laughs) Or before you saw all my faces and before you heard all my stories. You know, and keeping it fresh by giving people compliments allows, you know, people to stay in the here and now mm-hmm. and to feel like, oh, kind of, it's a little, it's, a, it's an incentive. So I think that, and uh, I don't know, what do you think? What do you think that people need for a good marriage to, to last? Well, in my opinion, since I am married, um, I think... It's communication and always trying to make it new. You know, it's hard when you have kids and it's hard when both of you are working and, you know, you come home, you're both tired, you just want to eat and you want to crash and, you know, you know, I have, we all have the guilty habit of just going to our phones, checking our social media or seeing what's going on in the news or getting, you know, getting, you know, well, my wife, she's a teacher, so like she'll come home, she'll eat and like right now as I'm speaking to you, she's prepping for, you know, for her class for tomorrow. So it's like, okay. it's almost like it's work, you know, you leave work, but you're still working at home, you know? So it's, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's hard to kind of find the common ground, especially with kids involved, because almost like, it's like when you have kids, it's all right. It's not that it's over, but it's like, you know, other things take precedence over, you know, yourselves, you know, yourselves are like out the window now and it's just focused on your, ch- on, you know, on your children. But you know, like, you know, that's why I guess, you know, you make, you know, what I what I think you should do is just, you know, make days like, all right, Saturdays and Sundays is family day. You know, we're all together and, you know, we'll all do something, you know, while Monday through Friday is like we're just getting by, you know, we're trying to catch up a little bit of sleep, get up really early, you know, go to work, you know, then come back home. It's just, you know, it, it's almost like Groundhog Day every day, you know, it's, it's just, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. So, like... I don't. I don't think I have the right answer, but all I, all, the only thing I can say is just make time, like make a weekend family time. That's probably the best yeah. thing I can say. Yeah, and, and and bring stuff to that time. You know, yeah. bring bring all the compliments, bring all the gratitude, bring all the stuff that might have gotten lost during that very hectic, busy week when you you missed a chance to say, "Hey, I really appreciate what you do for the family and what you've done for me." You know, that those kinds of things for, for a woman to hear that stuff from her man is so vital. Mm-hmm. We feed on that. 
Mm-hmm. We feed on feeling like, you know, it's sort of guys. I mean, it's just, it works both ways. Yeah. So, you know, I, I agree. And communication is huge. That's why giving compliments is such a huge part of, of communicating. It's, a, it's an expression of, of gratitude for what you're doing. And I think that's the biggest complaint in a marriage that people feel taken for granted. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't appreciate everything I've done, and now I'm just so damn frustrated, I'm just going to react. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and all of a sudden you're in an argument, people are feeling, you know, angry and upset. And, but, yeah, it's a really great habit to have. Like, my boyfriend and I, we talk so loving to each other, and it's beautiful. I'm not, I don't care if it's, I mean, it's mostly texting, so nobody's hearing all this, you know, <laughs> <food> junk. <laughs> You know, those little, like, yummy, lovey, dovey euphemisms and, like, little love notes. Send her a little I love you text. I love you, baby, goes so far. (laughs) Just thinking about you, all that kind of little, you know, little love notes. So, yeah, that's great. I'm so happy that you're married. you got beautiful kids and everyone's doing well and... This was really nice, our friend. God bless you, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I was going to ask you, too, how long you and your boyfriend been together? How long you guys been together? How many years? Oh, no, we're not. We're not living together. That's that's the, uh, we've, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't been for too long. Which, yeah, we're not, we're not at that point yet. But, gotcha. yeah, we will be. I hope one day. <laughs> yeah, you sure. will. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But, I mean, he's really close. So, he could be here in a moment's notice. <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome um yeah. um to go back to um renegade how was the how was beating up with everybody how was the the reunion it was killer it was really really good and uh everyone looks like pretty camera ready to go back <laughs> definitely camera ready i mean it would be really fun to write a two-hour you know like movie special you know how they do that with Matlock and Hunter, and they've done that a lot with some of these old TV series, yeah. like a two-hour movie special. And um, you know, the guys really want to do it. They really, really want to do it. So I don't know. There's some talk about making that happen. You know, next year will be 25 years since the pilot aired. Oh which my is, God! Like, I can't believe that because that's like half my life. Holy and. Shit. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe that half of my life ago I was working on that show. It's just beyond me. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, we would all be totally game to make that happen, and there's talk about the story and everything. So we'll see if that ever happens or not. I mean, it could be a fantasy that turns into reality that, you know, has happened several times before. So anything can happen. And you guys, yeah, and you guys look amazing. You guys look exactly the same. Like you just came off the television. You know, you still have your hair. Rance Combs' hair is a full mane. I have my hair. Rance has his hair, and Lorenzo
if we can make this thing happen and uh, you know anything you know put out the positive vibes yep. <laughs> do you have um, any funny onset stories is it what do you have any funny onset stories on Renegade um God, I guess, I guess. Yeah, like the time I got fired, that was funny. Oh, details, details. <laughs> Not so much. Um, actually, uh, well, we did have a really fun time when we did the rodeo show. That yeah. was really great because I got to do barrel racing and Blascom was a uh, rodeo clown. Yeah. And there was, I mean, that wasn't really funny. I guess it was just like pretty scary like but just you know to get all the rodeo clown stuff you have to get a guy in there and you know be a rodeo clown (laughs) and uh yeah i picked that guy up pretty damn good and yeah spun him around and you know watching branscom watch that particular moment because branscom is a real stuntman and when i first met him he was a stuntman playing a, a part and we did a uh we did a movie with Catherine Hinkland and Marjean Holden and Finn Carter. And um, anyway, uh, but Branscom, you know, he was just looking at me just like, you know, grabbing his package. Just like, Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that's not me right now. Because, you know, on any other given day, and he didn't get this part that he got, and he would have had to come in and double the Indian that got the part because he was a stuntman that came in to read for this role. Oh, sure. He told me the story about how he got the part. It was just so cool because mm. they wrote that part to be like a James Bond. Like, mm. Lorenzo was going to be Clint Eastwood yeah. and the other, uh, Bobby Six Killer was like like a James Bond character. Yeah. You know, so there, I mean, two, those two characters would have been so boring. Mm. You know, like they were going to be like out James Bonding and out Clint Eastwood each other, right? Yeah. You know, it's so the same note. And so Brascom, he just told me the story this weekend, too. He said, you know, he's like, there's no way I can go in and do like, uh, Reno's going to talk like this, and then Bobby's going to talk like this, and then Reno's going to talk like this. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God. So he's like, I just have to go in and be me. So he goes in and does his thing, does his shtick, which is so lighthearted and effervescent, and him. And, you know, and they're like, okay, thank you. And he was doing a whole bunch of ad-libbing. And Stephen Cannell's in the room, the guy who wrote all the stuff. You know, and as a writer, you're kind of going like, God damn it, he's way off of everything I toiled over until 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) I wish he'd say the words I wrote. That would be nice. (laughs) Um, So they kind of said, well, can you just, like, sit outside for a minute? And so he was sitting around, and all these other big Indian guys who were going to go in and do this whole thing that was just going to be all one note. (laughs) And uh, they came back, and they said, Bradson, can you come back in here for a minute? And he came back into the room, and Stephen Cannell just kind of leaned over to him on the couch and said, you got the part. Wow. So that was that. And they said, and he said, just when you do it, can you just say my words? <laughs> don't, don't add lips so much. Oh, man. So, and the thing is that Branscombe just has a really hard time memorizing. It's not that he doesn't care. Yeah. It's just that he's not the verbatim guy. He's not the guy that, 
you know, and I don't know that classically trained actors are that great because, you know, it's good that you can memorize stuff, but you also want to be able to riff and make it your own, too. So, anyway, they loved Branscombe, and, you know, he, he got all the words right when I would tape the, the mini sides to my forehead, and I'd be off camera, and he'd have to deliver stuff, and I would just have to words on top of my head <laughs> so he could get this stuff together <laughs> and say the right words but uh yeah Lorenzo was great he was always a lot of fun and I mean we broke up in the middle of the second season so there weren't like a whole lot of funny stories I mean I guess there were a lot of fun stuff in the first season but halfway through the second season we broke up in that second season then they just kind of started phasing me out in the third and fourth season but you know, I got a lot of episodes in there, and we certainly have a great camaraderie now. There's no issue at all, and they would love to do something, so we'll see. Oh, I'm, I've taken up so much of you and your listeners' time. No, no, it's it's fine, Kathleen. It is fine because this is a you know these are amazing stories, and you know Renegade's been on for a long time, so I'm sure a lot of people you know are enjoying hearing you know the back backstage and you know from you know everything that's happened on that show you know like you being fired I, f I totally forgot about that I didn't realize you was fired from that show so it's I, I, yeah I was fired I went and did the Howard Stern show and um during the fourth season in the middle of, a, of an episode and it was it got really late he'd come out here to LA and he had just been on Jay Leno, and he was upset about the show because the Kissing Lesbians got cut into or whatever. And, you know, he was irate. So I was supposed to go on, and it just keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed till it was like 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning yeah. in L.A. because it was a live feed for New York. Yeah. And I was just like, come on, I'm out of here. And I... And, the thing was is that I had a radio show at the time. So the people at KLOS were like, you've got to promote the radio show. You've got to hang in there. He's the only, you're the only show that he wants to promote out here. It was when um, Susan Olsen and um, K.O. Kalen, we all had different radio shows on KLOS when the local radio station here in L.A. decided to do kind of like a talk radio thing and basically platforming off of Howard Stern, and he didn't like it at all. Wow. But he did like me because I had done his radio show several times in New York before that, and this was finally after Lorenzo and I had gotten divorced and he was trying to get me on, and he oh. had seen Shauna, Lorenzo's wife was doing Playboy, and he, had, he just had a a gamut of questions to ask me. I mean, he just wanted to go for it. And I was like, so tired and so not, you know, able to deflect like I normally would be able to charmingly. Yeah. I was just like, forget it. I'm tired. I'm just going to tell the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they forced me to stay. I mean, they forced me to didn't hold me at gunpoint or anything, but they, I was like, fine, I'll stay. And I had to be in San Diego that day. I had like a 10 a.m. call. Yeah. So I was like, up all night, answering very honestly some very pointed questions that he was asking, and then got in my car and drove down to San Diego thinking, nobody's listening to this. And so what if they are? It's the radio. It's here and gone. Whatever. You know, I wasn't really giving it that much credence, but... Lorenzo was listening, and so was everyone from the show. 
Oh, shit. And by the time I got to the set, the, the, let me put it this way, the Teamsters were waiting for me to protect me from Lorenzo. He was so pissed. Wow. And I wasn't like, it wasn't anything, I didn't make up anything. It was, um, you know, I don't even really want to repeat it because it just, it, it doesn't serve me or anything else. But, you know, it was just, you know, how many times you've been married, mm-hmm. you know, what's his ex, what's his current wife, you know, current engagement like, Shauna, do you think it's going to last? Yeah. This is a Shauna fan, and I was, you know, I was pretty negative about the whole thing, and yeah. it didn't, it didn't help. So, you know, anyway, I, I pretty much hung myself hard on that one, but, um, you know, I, I think that it would probably pretty much run its course anyway. I think it, it happened because it was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a reason why I got kept there on, at that monkey bar. Literally, it's called the monkey bar in Los Angeles. <laughs> the monkey bar. <laughs> it is called the monkey bar where he did his cast out of. I was like falling asleep in the booth and then, dry, you know, drank a ton of coffee and went down to San Diego. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to work. And it was like, oh my God, what did I just walk into? Oh my God. It was brutal. So... That's a funny story. <laughs> I mean, if people wanted to hear it, though, is it is it probably on YouTube or something? Like, I'm sure that's probably that episode. I have no idea. I have no idea. I would love to know, I guess. I mean, I'm sure all of yeah. Howard shows have been somehow... Um, I, I think it was filmed, maybe. Ah, okay. I think the other girl that was on there that night was uh, the, that redhead. Uh, she was a playmate. I did a movie with her. Oh, God. I'm so embarrassed right now. Angie Everhart? Uh, yes. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Angie Everhart? Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, wow. Redhead playmate. Yep. Movie with her. You know, because I... Can't I remember her name. Angie Everhart. Yep. No, because I, I knew I knew Howard was a big fan of hers, so that's why. Yeah, she sure... Yeah, he sure was. She was on before me. Yeah. Yeah. And then we ended up doing a film together. But yeah, she was cool. Oh. And I was just like, oh, my God, Angie, can you just answer quickly? Because I need to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> it was intense. But wow. That, that's crazy. I never yeah. even realized that. You know, so you must have said, like, a lot of things. And he must have really got pissed off. And, well, he, he was like, you know what? Get no, her out of here. I really didn't. I wasn't, huh? it wasn't, I wasn't pissed. I was so disarmed. Yeah. Honestly, okay. I was yeah. too tired to be pissed. I had no agenda. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, with Howard is that you are fodder for his feast. Yeah. You don't come on there with any agenda. Yeah. You just have to answer what he wants to know. Because yeah. he doesn't care about what you're bringing to the table. Yeah. So I literally had nothing. All I knew was he, I was going to get an earful of it about Lorenzo and just try to keep redirecting it to, and I have a radio show that's going to be on. Da, da, da. I mean, thank God I had a radio show after that. Yeah. I, mean, I had a job. I had a wow. job to go to. <laughs> so I was promoting my radio show, which was really only on the weekend. It was Friday and Saturday night. It was called the Bad Girls Club. Yeah. It was me and Kimberly Hooper, and it was so much fun. We were just so nasty and uh, hilarious and took call-ins, and, you know, I came up with so many fun topics. It was all pop culture and all my favorite stuff. Anyway, it was, uh, you know, he talked about that for about 30 seconds, and then the other 20 minutes, you know, he, yeah. he was all about Lorenzo and wanted to know all about 
Madonna and what she looked like, you know, had I seen her naked? And I'm like, well, of course I've seen her naked because Lorenzo likes to post up all of the Polaroids that she's been shooting for Playboy on the makeup trailer mirror. So not only have I seen her naked with her, you know, uh, runway strip bush, so has every single person on on the crew and every guest star, including children. Oh so, my yeah, God. we've all seen her naked. Yeah. Yeah, so it's stuff like that. You yeah. know, it, and, you know, do you think the marriage can last? I'm like, no. Oh, here was another thing that Howard asked me. He goes, have you ever thrown a clam on her? <laughs> and I'm like, what? He goes, you know, throw a clam. And I'm like, I don't, what is that? He goes, you know, hock a loogie. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, After the movie. <laughs> yeah, I have a dog named Bolt. Wow. Which is appropriate because Malcolm McDowell is my manager. I see him all the time. Oh, I think we felt like uh, it was the Harvey Davidson outside revving. Might be Lorenzo. <laughs> oh, you never know. Yeah. On that renegade bike. <laughs> Too late, Lorenzo. You can't fire me again. <laughs> we got canceled. Oh, man. 25 years ago. Or 20 years ago. Anyway, so I just said, no, I've never hugged a loogie, I, you know, and I've never tried to get her, but, you know, she's obviously really, really short, she's trying to make herself taller, and she can't, so, you know, there's really nothing I can do to bring her down. Yeah. I, you know, I was just, I just really didn't have a whole lot of deflection in me. Yeah. So I think he just got really tweaked. Oh, and I think another thing was... Is that Lorenzo? Oh, here's here's this one. Here's a good one. Yeah. I think that he had told her that she was going to be his third wife. Oh. And then I said, you know, well, I'm just, you know, it's going to be, because uh, Howard was like, well, do you think the marriage can last? I'm like, well, I don't know. It's going to be the fourth wife. And like, I don't know how many years and blah, blah, blah. And I think he got really pissed because I forgot to mention one of the wives that I didn't think he didn't want to scare her away. Okay. Wow, that's um, that's so crazy. I never even realized that. Yeah, I know. I neither did she. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're so funny. <laughs> oh wow, well, you know, Hollywood. Easy. Yeah. Forget yeah. about wives and stuff. You know, you just get so caught up. Yeah. That is so true. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, that Shauna 
was the love of his life and that he had never been so in love before. And I think that tweaked me so hard. It hurt my feelings deeply because we were still working together. You know, it wasn't like I wasn't reading any press about Renegade or people weren't bringing me things that, you know, I mean, it was a, a family of people that, we're very aware of every piece of press that was going out there. If somebody, you know, if I didn't see it, somebody else had seen it and brought it to me or to my attention. And, you know, people were feeling very protective of me and trying to lighten the blow. I mean, I was absorbing a shitload. By that time, we were already been divorced for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. So for me to, like, this play within the play, it was very difficult. It was not an easy task by any means. I mean, that is talking about facing your fears and walking through fire. Try working with your ex on film. Wow. Yeah, I know that's... I don't know. Really, anybody else has ever done it to that extent that I did. I really don't. There should be a book written on that. You know, if anything else, I mean, that for me was like, okay, yeah, I endured a boatload of makeup on Bride of Reanimator. And yeah, I've taken my top off and different films and, you know, experienced the, you know, humbling quality of that and, you know, just having to really, like, let go of certain stuff. And, but, you know, that was really, yeah, that was prime. That was prime real estate right there. That would be like Angie and Brad right now having to go and do a movie together. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. No, I'm not kidding. Yeah, I yeah. mean, other than me calling CPS after his ass. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah. You can only imagine. I mean, it was it was the same kind of experience, different scale of fame. Yeah. You the and, same type of experience. You and Lorenzo also did a movie together, right? You guys did a movie together, too. We did five movies together. Yeah, five, yeah. We worked together a lot, and we worked together really well, and that's why I didn't want to leave the show. Yeah. I could have. I could have just said, okay, I'm out. You fire. I mean, you, you know, you're divorcing me. I'm gone. I, my ego could have just been like, I can't take it. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure a lot of people would. I'm sure who wants to, you know, who wants to keep working at a firm when you and your husband have just gotten divorced. Yeah. Or life or whatever. You know, you don't want to see that person every day. Yeah. Unless you know that you already have a history of like, we can do this. Wow. And I respected him enough and tried to make that part of it work. So we did, <clears throat> until I just got fed up and, you know, tired of seeing him and, and his, you know, really, really skanky girlfriend, you know, future wife, yeah. parade around and, and say really mean stuff. So yeah. that part was real for me, and I guess in some way I, I was, like, tired and I didn't care. Yeah. You know, if I was tired and I did care, I probably would have presented myself differently. Oh. I was tired and I didn't care. Oh. I was over it. Oh. How was the re- how was the relationship now? Do you guys like even It's great. It was great. It's great. Okay. Yeah, it's really good. And you know, I respect him a lot. He's flying helicopters in Las Vegas and we have a good really good communication and I, I pray for him and his family and you know, he's married to a Shauna number two, wife number five. So, and she's a good person, and I hope they make it. And uh, you know, I I steer clear from from too much involvement, but 
he knows I'm always there and we will always be friends and we have each other's back. So we've been through a lot together. You know, I've known him since I was 15. Wow. So it's obviously a huge, he's a huge part of my DNA, I guess. I mean, really, people affect you and they change the course of your life. That's part of your DNA. So he has, he changed the course of my life because of Renegade and because of all the other things we've done together and obviously our relationship. But um, he has a tremendous gratitude for the people that he works with. He's a great co-worker. He shows up on time, knows his stuff, and he delivers. So there's really nothing else. And he's, he's so kind and considerate to the crew. You know, everyone loves him. He's a good person. So, you know, we 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 sat across from each other in, in court. We sat across from each other at table reads. We sat across each other from dinner. And, you know, that's a huge history. I appreciate him. I'm glad he's still in my life. He always, I'm sure he always will be. Pranscom, he's so cool. Pranscom's like, he's always... Yeah, you know, he he was he was such a great person during all of that. That poor guy, he was so. <laughs> he deserves a medal. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really made us some awesome medal because he literally was a rodeo clown during that time. Yeah, he tried to. I mean, he he wasn't playing both sides of the fence. He was just truly both of our friends. Yeah. You know, he was my friend and he was Lorenzo's friend, and I have such respect for Brown Scott. He is one hell of a dude. His band is so incredible. The band this last weekend. How was that? Wow, that's that's awesome. That's awesome that you know you can have that relationship. You know, after you what the show was in, on in '92 and you know 2016, you guys are still friends. That's all. That's awesome. Yeah, singing on stage together, having so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. Oh. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I was gonna uh, ask you a couple a couple of questions. Where I wanted to ask you, um, what has been your most memorable moment so far in acting? Like, have you had a memorable moment as of yet? on Tom Hanks film that thing you do was um, very memorable working with Kevin Pollack and being on the set with Tom and Kevin and my mom came and visited that one day wow. and Tak Fujimoto was the DP and Colleen Atwood was the costume designer it was just it felt like oh wow the air is so much clearer up here isn't it <laughs> So this is what the view from up here is like, wow, I like it. Yeah, that was a really memorable moment that one day. And I remember there was, I mean, Tom, I knew him because I was dating his brother-in-law, Chris Wilson. After Lorenzo and I broke up, Chris was one of my brother's best friends. And we had a band together. And uh, so I met Tom socially several, several times. Oh, and okay. got to go to several premieres and the Academy Awards and, you know, got to see him receive the award for Forrest Gump, which is like my favorite movie. And, you know, he let me hold the Oscar and he's like, just so you know, Kathleen, you're only one movie away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
thanks, Tom Hanks. Coming from you, I really, really appreciate that because you know that you are, really. Every actor and every actor that you see win an Academy Award that you've never heard of before was what Tom Hanks said, just one movie away. And, you know, getting to see him direct something that he wrote and, you know, put the people in it that he wanted. He called me and left me a message on my voicemail at home that was, like, saved forever. He tells me, it's Tom, will you be in my movie? Uh-huh. He kind of lingered on it. He's like, I'm serious. Call me back. Wow. So that was how I got that part. Um, I never auditioned or anything, and it was just totally handed to me. I saw the platter right after I got fired from Renegade, actually. Right after. Wow. Um, so that was huge. That was like, oh. That was a cloud that saved me from all of that. And, um, you know, I was on the set one day and, and doing this scene with, uh, the guy with three names, Tom Everett Scott. Yeah. And um, there was a scene that got cut. And, you know, I, I think it was a scene that got cut. Something about, I'm the secretary, I mean, I'm the secretary to the asshole or something. Anyway, yeah. I walk away. Whatever it was, the line that I delivered was kind of a gnarly line. I don't even remember if it made the film or not. But uh, I walk away and, and you know, before Tom yells cut, he goes, can I get some fries with that shake? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm wearing like a really super tight, you know, vintage you know, form-fitting 1950s secretary look. Oh. You know, and I got attitude, and I, I delivered a, you know, gnarly line and just, you know, walk away with a ton of sass. And I, and then he says that, and then he was like, and everyone cracks up on the crew, and he's like, cut, print, move it on. Jeez. And I thought, wow, that was a moment. So I would say, yeah, that whole experience was pretty phenomenal. Mm. It was short. Yeah. No, but you see, but that's amazing because for you, that's memorable, you know, and, you know, you're always going to have that moment, you know, that's, that was your moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then another moment happened when I got to the premiere and he came over to me and said, by the way, um, most of your stuff got cut because it wasn't Liv Tyler's lips or any of the music. So just so you know. <laughs> Why? <laughs> we don't have time for that. You have to call me up for part two. I'll give you some Jerry. 
All right. Call me at like four four thirty in the morning when I'm really tired. You should have no edit now. Uh, then I'll get the real the real scoop when uh, at four thirty. Oh uh, yeah, you'll get the real poop as they say. <laughs> Kathleen, um, Kathleen, I have one final, I have one final question for you. One final question. Yes. All right, and here it goes. Um, what would the Kathleen of today tell the Kathleen of yesterday? Oh, hang in there, baby. Hang in there. It's all good. It's, it's all, all good. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I it's all love good. It. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You're gonna have a beautiful child. You're gonna have a beautiful family and great friends. And just, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep, you know, avoiding, avoid the red flags. Notice the red flags as fast as possible. And you know what they are. Mm. And the things that make you go, hmm, should I be telling my parents about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, Aunt Evelyn approve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but listen, just, yeah. I'm, uh, I think I got a lot of... A lot of good stuff from my dad and a lot of good stuff from my mom. I got an older brother and a younger brother that are both amazing. Yeah. So blessed with just beautiful family and incredible friends and you know, a, a, a sense of humor that has helped me get through a lot of pain and loss <clears throat> and and just a hopeful spirit and just keep doing yoga. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Stay active, stay involved. Don't have to take a ton of vitamins or, you know, just eat right, drink a lot of water, get lots of sleep, mm-hmm. take good care of yourself. Your vessel is a sacred, sacred gift. Yeah. And uh, we know what we're supposed to do and take care of it. Yeah. We, we come into this planet pretty, pretty perfect. I mean, some of the DNA stuff is, you know, genetic, but make good, healthy choices. Mm-hmm. You are what you put into your body. You're absolutely right. We have three things we're in control of. What goes into our mouth, what comes out of our mouth, and our perception. We mm-hmm. get to choose whether we're happy for somebody or jealous of somebody. Yep. It just takes one little decision to go, you know what? Good for that. Mm-hmm. You know? God bless them. Mm-hmm. And oof, it's gone. Mm-hmm. So, you know... God bless all the idiots in the world. Help <laughs> find the light. That's what I say. <laughs> and God bless all the God, you know, the good people that are, are working hard and, and doing the right thing because, you know, they deserve being blessed. Yeah. They deserve being noticed. Notice all the good as much as possible. Try to stay out of so much negative stuff. Yeah. Turn off the news. Turn it off and just call your mom. Mm-hmm. Call your dad, call your brother, call your sister, stay in contact with all your relationships. They're, it's an effort, and it's, it's worth it, I think. Take care of our own, you know, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. And, you know, I really want to go see the girl on the train. I think that that looks like an awesome thing, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> I like I like that segue. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, let's go see a good movie. You know, when you, when you yeah, when you like over yourself, you know, go just check out, go to watch something of quality. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Efren. No, thank, thank you to all your listeners.
No problem, Kathleen. And now I just want to let everybody know I hope they were intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one.